Welcome to the Vine Youth Podcast from Long Island Abundant Life Church. This message from our series, Untouchables, was given on April 12, 2013, and deals with the topic of Christians, depression, and suicide. Beth, wake up. Please, Beth, wake up. Beth's roommate held the empty Valium bottle in her hand and knew Beth wouldn't wake up. But instinct said to get help. The people in the next apartment helped her carry Beth to the car. A mile that seemed halfway around the world brought them to the hospital. They pumped Beth's stomach. She stirred and opened her eyes. Months later, Beth could talk about it. I had a normal life before this. Friends, loving family, a good church life. Basically, I was a happy person. I had been a professional for 10 years. I held reputable positions. I would managed people. And I managed myself quite well until this. I just returned from a six-month missionary adventure in the Orient. My feelings were running rampant. Nostalgia flooded me as I remembered the good times, nightmares, and flashbacks haunted me in the quiet solitude of night. Nobody was interested. Nobody had time to hear what I had to say. I just come from a fruitful experience as an administrative assistant in a medical clinic. Dumped back into the busy lifestyle of metropolitan Washington, D.C., I lost all sense of identity. Deepening feelings of isolation caused me to withdraw all the more. I thought if I got back into my work, I could refocus my life, but the emotional instability mounted. One nightmare kept recurring. We'd been doing, in a village, doing some medical work. Through the thundering of a tropical storm, I awoke to the sound of gunfire. Before I could go back to sleep, I saw them dragging the body of a man past the doorway of my hut. The story was that he'd been caught in the field stealing opium. Now back in D.C., I would awaken at night to the sound in my brain of the pow-pow of the guns. The whole ugly scene would flash through my mind again. I began using tranquilizers to control my instability, but before 7 or 8 in the morning, I was lost in anxiety, confusion, uncertainty, crying uncontrollably. I also had a sense of special, special knowledge. I was fulfilled by a good missionary experience. Hadn't I been there? Hadn't I been successful? Hadn't I bonded and nurtured Billy to help? We had been on our way home from some medical work in the hill country. Along the trail, I stumbled on this three-month-old infant. His hands and feet were bound together with rope. He was addicted to opium, and he was almost dead. We inquired as best we could whose son he was. The mother had already had four children under the age of five. The man who was thought to be the father was away on business three to four weeks at a time. It's probably this woman who had left him there to die. A couple hundred yards away was an abandoned hut. We said we would wait until nighttime to talk with his mother. She never came. At the clinic, we were able to give him the care he needed. We called him Billy, and he was eventually adopted by a local Christian doctor. I became hypervigilant about this great need out there. I felt a lot of anger toward people who wouldn't let me talk about my experiences. My pastor wouldn't let me share at church. No Sunday school class had the time for me. My parents couldn't show enough interest to even look at my pictures. I became judgmental and condemning. How can you be thinking about buying a new car when there are such great needs out there? But I couldn't say any of that out loud. Hurt, fear, anger, and guilt all turned inward in severe depression. I couldn't sleep at night. I couldn't get out of bed in the morning. I quit my job. I took more and more tranquilizers. I just wanted somebody to acknowledge that I was back home. One Sunday morning after church, I gathered the strength to go again to my pastor and say, I'm at the end of my rope. I think I'm losing it. I need your help. With his arm around me, he said, Beth, I'm busy. I'm so tied up this week. But if you must, call my office to set an appointment for a week from Wednesday. Beth, if you could just get into the word more. Through the day's fog of an existence I had been living in, all of a sudden it became crystal clear, Pastor, I'm not worth your time. I made other desperate calls to various counselors. One guy tried to date me. 
A psychiatrist had given my condition a fancy label, but now it was clear. I'm not worth anybody's time. So I decided to take the rest of the bottle of Valium. So um, this is just <clears throat> maybe a, a different kind of story. We have a, a girl, and this is a true story, Beth, who went to do missions. Maybe we consider her to be like, I don't know, like more spiritual. She went and she was doing missions. She was out there actually doing stuff. And yet she reached the point where she didn't think it was worth living. Um, and she reached a point where it seemed like her own life just wasn't even worth living anymore. And so when we think about this, and we're going we're gonna to talk about a lot of stuff tonight, um, this is really serious, and it's not just certain people. It's all kinds of different things. And so as we talk about this, this stuff, I, I do have a couple of things I want to say um, at the beginning before we even start. First of all, I'm not like a professional. I'm not a professional counselor. And so um, I'm not going to like say, hey, this is like totally the best thing. You should just always listen to me. In fact, I'm going to tell you um, that you should go and get help, if, especially if you're um, doing this. I've taken like one counseling class. Um, I personally uh, was never officially diagnosed with depression, um, and I never actually attempted suicide. But as I've mentioned before, uh, for most of my life I have struggled with depression. And... Um, I have had thoughts about committing suicide, as I think probably a lot of us have, but it never really went any further than that. Um, but this is a really, really important issue to me for a lot of reasons, um, because number one, it's a, it's a really, really important issue period. I think probably almost everyone here, if you really thought about it, has been touched in their life some way by uh, suicide or depression. And um, particularly when I was in college, I remember very clearly we had... Uh, this Bible professor that actually my roommate had him for a class and we received word during chapel that he had died the previous day and then uh, like a week later they actually announced that it was suicide and here's a guy like a, a Bible professor at a Christian college that um, did this and particularly um, I was planning on talking about it eventually but this past week um, I don't know how many of you even know who this is but Rick Warren is probably one of the most um, famous pastors in America if you guys, I know some of you in Sunday school went through The Purpose Driven Church, or you've heard of the book The Purpose Driven Life. His uh, church is really, really big, and his um, son, who's 27 years old, Matthew, um, committed suicide this past week. And um, he, he kind of let everyone know, and it kind of blew up into this big thing um, that he had um, struggled with depression for like 10 years, and he ended his life this week. Also, um, when I was uh, working in Ohio in a church, we had a group of... Um, of students that came from China, international students, and they were going to a state university nearby. And they, there was like eight of them, and they all became Christians. And it was really cool, and they were really growing, and they were serving. And I knew them pretty well. And this, uh, there's this one guy in particular that was helping with the church bulletin and all this stuff. And um, one day, he just it seemed like no one even knew anything was wrong. He committed suicide. And he killed himself, and... His parents came over from China and um, attended the funeral and, and picked up his body and stuff, and we had the funeral at the church. His parents were really, really angry uh, because they said if he had not been a Christian, he would not have committed suicide because he did that. He killed himself because he knew that he would go to heaven. Okay, So then we have all these other people in our church that are saying, no, he's not going to go to heaven. People who commit suicide go to hell. So 
we have all kinds of things going on here and all kinds of questions to deal with. And this is, uh, this is a really difficult topic. And so I want to talk just about a couple things. And this is really, 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 really important. And as we're going through this, I'm going to make the assumption, even though I know this is probably not true, as I talk, I'm just going to talk as if none of you are depressed or have ever been depressed, that you're not struggling with this, just because I don't know particularly what's going on with all of you right now. Maybe you are, and I may you know, take it aside and, and address if anyone is particular, but for the most part, I'm just going to try to educate tonight. Okay? Um, and uh, as we, we look at this, um, there's, there's a lot of things that are really, really important. But I, I you know, like as always, I'm going to start with uh, some statistics. Um, in 2007, which is, uh, I think, the, the latest that we have, or not the latest, but um, where we have ratings and stuff, um, suicide was the seventh leading cause of death for males and the 15th leading cause of death for females. Almost four times as many males die of suicide than females. You know, we talked about eating disorders. We talked about how it was like, that's the, the statistic for eating disorders, that women really, girls really struggle with it a lot more. Well, this is something that, even though we don't really think about it this way, that guys um, really um, deal with a lot more this issue of depression and suicide. Um, nearly five times as many males as females, uh, ages 15 to 19, died by suicide. So even your age, um, it's, it's a lot more guys. Suicide is the third leading cause of death for those age 15 to 24. Okay? So of all the things you could die from, car crash, cancer, all those things, suicide is the third leading cause of death. And um, there's, uh, I mean, there's just so many statistics. I'm not going to go on too long, but um, even as I was looking at it today, I was, went to um, the CDC website, um, and they have um, statistics. And for 2012, said, um, I think it was 38,000 people committed suicide, 38,000 some number. And that's just the ones that we know of. Um, and uh, we're going to start, we're going to actually start with talking about depression a little bit and what's kind of going on there. And, and like I said, I'm going to kind of educate you about it. We're going to examine a couple different things. But um, as we go through this, I really want you to understand that, that when we look at these Things and these issues. This is a particularly one that in the church we have a really, really, really hard time dealing with, because Christians are supposed to be happy, right? Like we're supposed to be joyful. And um, there's actually a really short book, a really good book though, by a guy named David Murray called "Christians Get Depressed Too," and it talks all about a lot of these issues. And uh, I'll, I'll actually share with you at the end that there's going to be a lot of resources available for a lot of these things as well. So. Um, when we look at this, I, I want to start just by talking about depression. So the causes of depression, uh, when we look at this, physical causes, like sometimes, and we're going to talk about this more later, sometimes there can actually be something physical causing it, uh, that there's some kind of chemical imbalance in you that leads you to maybe be feel um, have these feelings of depression. Um, also, we want to differentiate between like short-term depression and long-term depression. Short-term depression is something that usually happens, um, and I kind of mentioned it up there, but uh, it's usually like event-based, like something really, really difficult happens in your life, 
And of course, you're really sad about it. And it takes time to work through it. And the estimate that is that there's about 17 million people at any given time in America dealing with short-term depression. Okay, Because it's something that's happened in their life. Um, long-term depression is a pattern. And in something part of the environment or an ongoing part of like an illness. And the estimate is there's about 11 million people um, that are suffering from this kind of depression. And this is the kind of depression that when I talk about myself being depressed, this is the kind that I'm talking about. Um, that, yeah, things have, actually my life has been pretty good. When I look back, there hasn't been a lot of really difficult stuff, particularly like comparing to Rachel's life, my wife. She's had some really, really difficult stuff happen to her. I really haven't, but throughout my life I've had, I've really struggled with um, for a really long time and really badly, particularly in high school and college with this long-term depression. And, and we'll talk about what it's, what it's like, but, um, so this physical thing it can be like a mental imbalance or, or like chemical imbalance or maybe you're going through an illness that causes this to happen. Um, emotional, this is like uh, constant like worry and stress is coming at you and it can lead to depression because your body just doesn't know how to deal with the constant anxiety and worry and so it starts to um, cope in certain ways that we'll talk about. Circumstantial, this is what I said for short-term depression, that this is something like a death in your family, uh, some really bad thing that you don't like happened, a bad breakup, you know, like that's something that happens um, a lot to teenagers. Uh, or uh, I, material, um, a loss of income or possessions, like a loss of a job or something. Um, and spiritual, you know, there's, there's such a thing as spiritual depression. I have a, a book that really deals with this and, and talks about a lot of the causes and kind of cures of it and things like that. So um, we have those five things. Um, next. Um, some of the science in... I'm not telling you this to be like... I don't want you to be like, I have that and that and that. I must be depressed. <laughs> you know? uh, or, or to be like walking around and be like, man, Chris has been so moody lately. Must be depressed, you know, like, um, yeah. So, uh, so booty myth, b- b- booty myth. Uh, okay, that was really bad. Um, moodiness, moodiness, like quick swings and mood, and this goes along with this bipolar thing. You guys, are you guys familiar with bipolar disorder? You know what that means, what it's like. Yeah, really high highs, really low lows, really really quickly, uh, and like. This uh, this is diagnosable. So if you're just like maybe you think you have it, you definitely go see a doctor. But it's it's pretty serious. Changes in appearance, like the person just doesn't care what they look like anymore. Withdrawal from others. People don't want to talk to others. Um, here's <laughs> here's the thing, and this is the caveat why I say don't just look at people because um, some people adults will look at this and be like that's like all teenagers. <laughs> like, it's okay. it really, and it actually is kind of true. That's like why I say it's a caveat. Like, uh, we're looking for serious things because you guys do have a tendency to demonstrate these things and our hormonal changes going on and all this great stuff in your body. So, um, it's just kind of a phase of life. Don't assume that someone you know has a depression problem unless they've been to a doctor. And uh, we're going to talk about that now and later, and I'm going to say it about a million times. If someone comes to you or you think you're depressed, you think you know someone who's depressed, go see someone. And as we talk about suicide, particularly if someone is talking about it, thinking about it, the first thing you should do is get help. It is that important. It's not like you should try and convince them, la-di-da-di-da. Like, 
Get someone to help immediately. Do not wait. Um, and uh, we'll talk about it in just a second. Um, there's some actually examples in the Bible of depression. And when we talk about a lot of these issues, maybe sometimes we look at these issues and we're like, well, the Bible doesn't really talk about that. And we feel like the Bible doesn't really apply to a lot of things going on in our lives. But in this case, there really are a bunch. And actually, I told you to get your Bibles, but I don't think we really have time to, to turn to all of these. Moses in Numbers chapter 11 um, he really displays what we consider to be... I don't think the Bible ever says, and Moses was depressed. You know, like, but it seems like we're, we're looking at what's going on here. Uh, he's really, really stressed, feeling overworked. He's making really bad decisions. And he actually says, I want to die. And we're going to talk about some of the, the things that happen in the Bible to these people as well. Another one is Hannah in 1 Samuel 4, 7. She is really angry over her husband's other wife, as I imagine most of you girls would be. Um, and she has stopped eating. Um, she's crying all the time. Okay, so probably also a good case of this that we're seeing. David, Second uh, Samuel 12, 11 through 19. Okay, this is after he sins with Bathsheba. He's made really, really, really bad mistake. He's sinned against God. He's killed a man. And then he receives, he, he's, God says that what's going to happen is that you're not going to die, but this baby is going to die. That there's still consequences to his actions. And so David's really dealing with that deep grief, grief over the loss of his child. Uh, he's not eating. His appearance has changed. He's irritable. He's withdrawn from people. Most of the things that we, we just talked about, basically. Um, and Elijah in 1 Kings 19. He's really afraid of losing his life. He's being followed by the, by the king and uh, his wife and he has no energy he stopped eating again he's not sleeping and he feels very negative about himself and he even says again you know I want to die um, so these are just a couple and we could talk, talk more there's, I mean there's a lot of stuff we could say but these are just a couple so what does the Bible show us happens in these cases uh, and in Moses' case, he provides someone to come alongside him, Joshua and Caleb. These two friends, they give him a different way of looking at things. They give him encouragement, and they offer to help him with his job. So he has people that come into his life and encourage him because they know what's going on. Hannah, God also provides someone for her. The priest, Eli, comes to her. He hears her, and she's like weeping, and she's praying out loud, and she, he thinks that she's drunk. And so he goes and talks to her, talks to her and she explains everything. And... Um, and he really shows her understanding and gives her a message from God. And God does eventually not give her just one child, but six. Um, but Samuel is the first. And David, God, again, what does he do? Provides people uh, who come in, into his life and help him get over his grief. They help him get into his regular routine. routine. Nathan comes and says, David, come on, wash yourself. Take a shower, man, you stink. And you need to start doing stuff because this is, just, this is not good, this is not healthy. Um, and a reminder of loyal friends who are still there for him. Oh, sorry. Uh, fresh clothes, eating, facing the reality of his loss. And then Elijah provides a change of scenery. God takes him to this, uh, to this river, provides food for him, water. He goes to sleep, and he gets new energy for what he's supposed to do. A reminder that he has loyal friends. He says, I'm the only one righteous in the entire land. How can I go on when I'm the only one that is seeking after you? It's, it would be better to die. And he says, no, there are people who are following me. So all of these, except for Elijah, 
all of them except for Elijah have one thing in common. And what is that? God provides something for people. What is it? Someone. What? People, yeah. God brings people into their life. And that's why when we talk about this, and we think about this, this is one of the most important things you can do. If you think that maybe someone in your life, or even yourself, is dealing with depression, is, is seek out people and be there for people who are suffering from depression. So, like I said, uh, we're going to approach this mostly like I'm assuming... <laughs> I'm assuming, even though I know it's actually a bad assumption, that it's probably not true that most of you are not struggling with depression. I'm just going to say, how can you help someone? What can you do to help them? And let me repeat again. If this is really, really serious, particularly if someone is talking about killing themselves, you need to go get help. And if they're really, truly struggling with deep depression, you you should talk to them about going to a counselor and and get an adult to help, uh, I don't know, a guidance counselor. I don't know if the guidance counselors in your school do anything or not. No, they don't do anything. They didn't in my school either, so so maybe don't do that. They'll help them get a job. That's what they'll do. Um, so uh, I just want to to encourage you with that. But how how can we help? I, I have a couple different things, and these are I know and I realize and I hate this about it. These are going to come off as like really cheesy like just do follow these five steps but it's really not this way depression is very complicated I myself know feeling that it seems like when anyone says anything to you like even if they say they love you you're like no you're just faking because you want me to feel better no one really loves me you know like there's no reason to even talk about this and to talk at all I understand that but um, first of all help them to think differently some questions are you flashing back to the past a lot are you living in the past and things that have happened to you, things that you've done, mistakes that you've made. Are you being especially hard on yourself? And I know I joke around with you guys all the time, and I'm a little racist like this, but um, you guys are the worst about this. You guys are so hard on yourselves. Like, it's, it's just like you do something, small thing wrong, and you're just like, I failed. What did you get? 89%. Like... But it's not just grades. I've seen it in other things too because I know that your, your parents sometimes could be like all over you about stuff. And so you get all over yourself about it. And something that's really not a big deal turns into a big deal. And I'm just saying, don't be so hard on yourselves. Okay? Do you believe, A, that you should not be depressed? Because it doesn't matter if you are. Okay? It's the first thing that you need to understand. If you're depressed... Yes, of course, it really sucks to be depressed. Okay, I'm gonna, I will grant you that. But if you're like, it's, it's so wrong, it's like sinful, or like, you know, I don't know what it is that you're thinking. But it's okay to be depressed. There's nothing that says you can't be. In fact, the Bible says you're going to go through difficult times. But it says that we can have joy. Okay, joy is different than happiness. Happiness is like a, hey, yay, hip, hip, hooray. Joy is like this settled feeling because you know that ultimately... God will triumph, everything will be okay. So I believe that it is possible to be depressed and have joy at the same time. It's a knowledge that you know things will turn out, even though it seems like right now it doesn't. So it's okay to be depressed. Have you thought, this is all my fault? Everything is my fault. That you should be able to fix it yourself. This is the worst one and the worst possible lie. Okay, That 
I shouldn't talk to someone. You guys shouldn't worry about me. You shouldn't mess around with this because I, I should be able to deal with this myself. The fact is, most of the time you can't deal with it yourself. Why does God provide people consistently in the Bible? This is why. Okay? Because often you can't deal with it yourself. You need people around you to help you through it. <clears throat> Are you thinking a lot about escaping rather than facing your problem? This is a big one. We live in a society that likes to escape problems, to kind of sweep them under the rug or run away from them instead of dealing with them, even, even though that could be difficult. Um, you should deal with it. And, uh, I, you know, I have this up here. I'll, I'll post like a handout with some of this stuff um, when I put the, the podcast up too. So um, I'm not going to turn to all this stuff. Um, you should have a plan. Help the person not to deny the problem, but to talk about it and, seek, uh, and look for ways to solve it. By taking responsibility but not blaming themselves. Okay, that's a sentence that is so ridiculously easy sounding and so difficult to do. But that's your ultimate goal. Okay, if you know someone that's dealing with this, is that. Okay, help them to face the problem, to take responsibility but not blame themselves. Okay, and to start moving. Okay, number two, help them to feel differently. Does your mood change more than usual? Are you more emotional than you usually are? Have you lost interest in doing normal, everyday things? Are you easily discouraged or especially tired? Okay, and uh, is there some reason why you look at yourself as worthless? I do want to make a note here because there's been a lot of study recently about depression. And uh, the things that we think about traditionally as signs of depression have been found recently in more recent studies to be things that tend to be uh, things that females demonstrate, like sleeping a lot, and uh, in withdrawing from a lot of different things. Those can affect everyone, but here's the thing, guys, that you need to understand, is that one of the big signs of male depression that has come up in the past couple years is anger. If you just find yourself angry all the time, there's actually a really, really good chance that you are either starting to or are already dealing with depression. Um, Because we as guys tend to like to control things a little more, and when things feel out of control, it makes us angry. And so this is actually a really, really big sign. So if you find yourself doing that, um, just know that could be a sign too. But uh, I didn't have that in there. I wanted to mention it though. Um, plan. Focus, help the person focus on the facts more than feelings. How God feels about them, how others feel about them, what they mean to those around them, and what they... Uh, and uh, what they do for them. Um, here's the, the thing about this one. I've talked about this before, but this is really the key, I think, to living a thriving Christian life, is learning how to let your knowledge of God control your feelings instead of letting your feelings control what you think about God. Okay? And that's what you're going for here. If you're going through this, or you're helping someone to go through it, that's ultimately what you're trying to do. Because when you let your feelings control, it's like something bad happens and you say, God, why? What are you going to do about this? I hate you, whatever. But when you let the truth of God control, and you say, ultimately I know that even though there are trials in this life, it's not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us then you allow that to reign in your feelings and say, I, you know, it, it does feel bad right now. And this is why I said before, I think it's possible to be depressed and feel joy. Okay? And in Hebrews, and I totally blanked out on the chapter and verse, in Hebrews it's like 10, 
something. It says, and we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Okay? So if you look up anchor in Hebrews, then you'll probably find it. But uh, it says, this hope that we hold on to is an anchor for our souls. So instead of being tossed to and fro, instead of like with everything that's happening, you just get smacked around. Hope, the hope of Jesus Christ, that He has died, He has risen again, that He has given us salvation, is an anchor for our souls. It holds us there. You know, the waves still come, they still smack us. But we're not going to move because it's anchoring us down there. Really great, really important verse. Have them behave differently. This is a really, really important one. You want to know what you, the, one of the best things you can do for someone who is struggling as, as someone who's not a counselor, who doesn't know how to help them work through all of these deep issues. This is probably one of the big ones that you can do. Do you have a problem getting motivated for the day? Are you thinking about doing something to hurt yourself? What things have you stopped doing that you need to start doing again? Would you be willing to talk to someone about your problem? How do you see yourself coming out of this situation? What will you look like when you do? Okay, These are just some questions. But this is the big thing. This is David. He's, you know, he stopped showering. He stinks. He's not doing anything. One of the things you can do is just come to them and say, look, you got to get back into life. I'll help you get back into life. Let's do something together. You know, like, take a shower, or, you know, wake up, get into a regular sleeping habit. This is a big thing that you can do. This is one of the big things you can do. And we gotta, we got to get moving faster. I've been looking at the time and getting horrified. Um, getting help. This is if you are struggling with something. And the one I want to draw attention to there, too. Again, re- let me repeat, repeat again. That if someone has talked about or think, is thinking about hurting themselves, and we'll go a little further with this in just a minute, please talk to someone. Get help. And, and here's the thing. You've got to get them to do it. You say, look, I'm really concerned with you, about you in this area. Will you come with me? And we're going to talk to someone about this. Okay? You don't do it for them. You go with them. Make sure that it happens. Okay? Next. Counseling medication. This is a difficult thing because some Christians believe that there's no such thing as chemical causes for um, mental illnesses. That it all ultimately comes down to sin. That there's some sin in your life that is causing this. Okay? Now, I do not believe that's true. I do believe that we as a country severely over-medicate. Okay? And... Here's what I mean by that. If you think you're suffering from depression or know so, you know someone that might be, get help. Um, here's the thing. As a Christian, counseling should be choice number one, not the doctor pumping pills into you. And here's why. Some conditions might be due to a medical problem. It might require medication. But medication should never be your first choice. Why? Because it deals with symptoms. But it doesn't deal with any of the root causes. Very, very, very small percentage of people, it's something like they just really need medicine, and that's all it is. There's nothing in their life, there's no no root issue, it's just something physical that's going on in them, and the medicine totally takes it away. But here's the thing, if you like, (laughs) if you like murdered your best friend and buried him in the backyard, and you're feeling really guilty and depressed about that, as I imagine you might, and then you go, doctor, please, please prescribe me some Prozac, okay? I want to feel happy again. He can do that. And you'll probably feel happy again because that's what the drugs do. But you still killed your friend and buried him in the backyard. Okay? So this is a very extreme example, of course. But I'm just saying that don't take medication 
just so you don't have to deal with the issues. You need to deal with the issues first. And that's why I say, for Christians, counseling should always be the first step, not medication. Okay? You can, I think it's okay to take medication if you have to. But just be careful of it, because it can make you feel happy and make you feel like everything's okay when it's not okay, when you haven't dealt with the issues. Okay? So that's just uh, I wanted to talk about that really, really briefly. Some tips if you're depressed, and you know, I, again, this is one of them where I look at this and part of, a little part of me dies because it's so like, almost like cheesy, but at the same time, it is true. Uh, so, number one, avoid being alone. Force yourself to be with people. This is, this is the one that I do agree with. Um, and it's so, so, so hard to do when you're depressed. But be with people. Get, talk to people and have them force themselves into your life, okay? You need to do that. Seek help from others. Um, sing. This is something that the Bible actually talks about, that um, David would play music for Saul, and it helped him feel better. Uh, music can be therapeutic. And I know that sounded really fruity and new agey, but uh, whatever. You praise and thanks, and everything gives give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Lean heavenly on the power of God's word. Now, here's the thing. Is that going to make your... If you took medication, it might make you feel happy. If you do these things, it probably won't make you feel happy, okay? You'll probably still be struggling with it, but you will be working toward what you need to work toward, okay? You're dealing with some of the root causes. You're going to the person that you need to go to, and that's the question. Who are you running to? When something happens in your life, where are you going? And we sang that song tonight um, for a purpose, the, the new song, Made Alive, that so much has, can happen in our lives but we've been given so much. And we need to realize that. Okay, so uh, we're, there's uh, something I want to deal with really quick because depression often leads to death. Um, and this is like a whole other lesson unto itself, but I do want to deal with it really quickly. For most people, uh, doubt is... And here's... Maybe you've never heard this before. And I want you to understand this, okay? So listen. Listen. If you get nothing else from this, understand this. For most people... And I'm saying most, 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 not some, most. For most Christians, Christians, uh, doubt is something that they're going to deal with throughout their life. Sometimes it like rears up in the front. A lot of times it's in the background. But if you just think, oh, I'm never going to doubt because real Christians don't doubt. You know, that's not true. And, and I'm a pastor and I doubt, okay? But you've got to learn how to deal with your doubt because it's different than you think. Doubt versus unbelief. Unbelief is an act of the will. It says, I do not believe. Doubt says, I'm looking for some reassurance here. I'm starting to wonder. And that's okay. But here's the thing. Seek out answers. Just like I said before, when you're dealing with doubt about God, about what the Bible says, the worst thing you can do is not deal with it. And, and there's like this thing inside of us as Christians, I think, that shies away from it and says, if I look into this, I'm gonna, maybe I'll find out that God's not real, and then you know, everything will just be over. Okay? First of all, I trust there's so, much, so, mo- so many things that I've looked into that I've wondered about. Every time I face the doubt, it is much better. Okay? But don't be lazy. Don't be like, I'm just not going to deal with it, because then it just grows. And it like, infects every part of you, and you just... You just don't ever deal with it. It's really, really bad. Okay, so learn to deal with it. Um, number, whatever, number one, I don't remember. Doubt your doubts. Uh, a lot of times we start to doubt things about God, about our faith, 
and we don't even actually really have a good reason. If we really stop and say, why am I doubting? It's like, because my brother was mean to me the other day and I started to feel bad. Like, you know, usually maybe that's not exactly what happened, but sometimes it can be something like that. We really look back and we're like, wow, I don't actually have a good reason to doubt. It's just that I kind of feel bad. But I don't really have a reason that I'm doubting. Um, So doubt your doubts. And then, um, again, I don't want this to come off cheesy, but attend church. Be in a community of believers. This is why God has given us the church, is so that we can be together, we can encourage one another and push each other on. Okay, so now we enter the really, 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 really difficult part, uh, talking about actually about suicide. And there's some really difficult questions. I cannot go into everything. I gave you some statistics at the beginning. But let me say again, if someone is talking about, like, I've thought about killing myself, first thing you need to ask and you need to understand is to say, have you thought about, and I know this is going to be so counterintuitive, and we're going to talk about this in myths in just a second, making them talk about it is not going to make them do it, want to do it more. So if you're like, I shouldn't talk about this at all, because if I talk to them about it, then they'll just go and do it. That's not true. First thing you should do is say, have you thought about how you would do it? And, and then if they say, yes, I have, and this is what I would do, and they have those, those tools at their disposal right now, you need to call someone right away. Like, that is the first thing you should do. We're talking like 911 call someone, not like a counselor. Um, so this is really, really serious. If someone's just talking about it, you need, to, you need to get them to a counselor. This is very, very serious. And I actually, I was looking, I had some statistics somewhere, but this is something I really want you to get as we're talking about this depression and suicide thing. Um, and it's going to sound kind of bad, and I'm not just missing it, but a lot of times... Suicide is a cry for attention. That people will try to commit suicide, but they don't actually try really hard. They don't really want to die. They just want someone to pay attention to their pain. And there is, um, I don't remember the statistic, but it's somewhere just shy of half of suicides are accidental. That someone was going to attempt it, and they accidentally succeeded. Okay? What? Yeah. How do you know they this is that's a really good question. My professor that I had um, just this winter in my counseling class, he used to do things that it's called like a I don't remember. It's a, it's almost like suicide CSI, <laughs> suicide autopsy, where like the you go and before they you know deal with anything and you look and see like what actually happened like psychologically. And one of the examples that we actually had to deal with was uh, a guy that was discovered um, in the trunk of the car in, in the garage and it, it appeared because he was in the trunk and that's really weird he had left the car running so that he would poison himself and um, he was in the trunk of the car and it looked like he was looking out the window and had fallen into it and then died and it was because his mom was 10 minutes later home from work than usual and so most likely what happened is that he was just going to be like attempt it and maybe be just unconscious when she got home. He was like even looking out for her. But because she was late, he actually passed out and killed himself accidentally. Um, whereas he was, it was maybe just a cry for attention. A lot of times, um, cutting a wrist, this is what happened. People do it and they accidentally succeed. They actually accidentally do a, good, a better job than they intended to. Um, pills is another thing. Um, a lot of times... That happens. I'm not trying to give you ways to commit suicide, okay? Uh, but you ask what I mean by that. But they, this, it's a hard number to get because no one really knows for sure. But from appearances, 
a really, really, really high number, higher than you would think. Uh, people, they don't actually intend to, but they accidentally succeed. Okay? So that's why I say this is so serious. If you're even thinking about this, just know that this is irreversible. And you might succeed even if you don't want to. Okay? So get help. Myths about suicide. Suicide is a problem only with a specific class of people. This is not true. This is across the board, everyone. Rich, poor, every race, everything. Okay? There are certain groups that it is higher for. Um, if for example, it's actually a really high number of people in their, their late 60s. Um, and the highest percentage of uh, 18 to 24 um, age people Anyone who's non-white is really, really high. It's much higher than for like whiteies like me, but like all other ethnic groups, it's one of the highest um, causes of death. So, it's, it's there's a lot of interesting things, and I mean, interesting is a terrible word, but like when you look at it, there are, they've done so many studies about the kind of people that do it. And if you want, I can make this kind of stuff available to you if it's something that you're. I don't want to say interested in, but. Um, People who talk about suicide don't commit suicide. That's this is, remember, this is a myth. Okay, this is not true. A, a lot of times, people are very open about it, and maybe they're just in a family where they're like, "Oh, we, you know, we're not going to take that seriously, whatever." But uh, yeah, so that's not true. Once a person thinks about suicide, they're always going to be suicidal. This is not true. Sometimes people just go through a really hard time. And they never this never happens again. Uh, it's not like once this happened, this is always going to be something. Suicide and depression are the same. That is not true. A person's improvement after suicide means the risk of taking their own life is over. In fact, this is what almost always happens. It looks like someone's getting better, and then all of a sudden they, they relapse. And this is the hard thing. And this is so hard for me. Because in a, in, I don't want to call it a profession, but when you're a pastor or counselor, um, you know, the, scared the crap out of me. I was in... Um, in my counseling class and he basically said you just need to learn how to deal with the fact that you're going to counsel someone in this issue and you're going to lose someone like you're just not going to get it it's going to happen sometime and so this is, it can come out of nowhere suicide usually happens without warning that's not always true people who want to commit suicide can't be talked out of it that is also not true you can do something about it anyone who commits suicide is mentally ill that is not true only certain types of people are suicidal. That was up the top one. Think, talking about suicide only causes it, uh, causes it by planting the thought in people's minds. And this is the one I really want to get you guys on. That I said before. Talk to someone. If they have expressed it to you, talk to them. Take some time to care for them and talk to them about it. It's not going to make them commit suicide anymore if you talk to them. Okay? Um, and I have, we just don't have time for all the stuff that I wish I could tell you about this. But... Um, Things to remember and suggest. Again, this is like, if you come to me, I would not say things exactly like this. I'm assuming right now that I'm educating you, but you, I wouldn't be quite so blunt about it. But that is really final. This is irreversible, okay? This is a choice that it seems like, you know, when people commit suicide, it's not like they're trying to get out of something necessarily. They just don't know how to deal with the pain that's in their lives. Okay? They just want it to stop. They don't care what happens after. They just want the pain now to stop. But it's a very, very final choice. You can't take it back. Okay? 
Society usually creates more problems than it solves. Not for the person, obviously, but for everyone else. Um, it, it's really, really difficult. Take people who talk about suicide seriously. Um, how long have you been thinking about this? How do you plan to do this? When, where, what? I talked about that already um, to probe this. Offer or create a plan B. How, let's talk about something else that you could do other than this. And then um, get help. Uh, this is, again, I would not, if you came to me, I would not, like, shove this down your throat. But this is, suicide does reveal thoughts about God, I think. Um, we are made in God's image. We tell God that we don't like how he made us when we harm that image. We're valuable to God. We tell God that we don't, value, we don't have value when we destroy ourselves. We can find help from God. We tell God that his help is not enough. We decide to solve our problem by ending our life instead of asking for his help to get through life believe that he has a special plan for our life, we tell God that we can control our own life and we have a better plan and we alter that plan through suicide. And these are just some kind of random thoughts. Okay, so I'm going to fly through this really quickly because I want you to understand something and I'm just going to come out straight out and say it. If you commit suicide as a Christian, you do not go to hell. Okay? The people that happened in that church, the, the people that we're talking about in that church, what? Nothing. <laughs> What did I say? What? You said that Christian Okay. No, I've just heard, honestly, I've just heard so much crap about this. Like, in, it is the worst when this has happened and people don't know how to keep their mouths shut, basically, about things that they don't know about. And I want to tell you really quickly how this happened. Um, there was actually a group, this is just some quick historical background. Called the Donatists, they actually believed by killing themselves they would achieve martyrdom and then they would go to heaven. Uh, Augustine wrote a book, City of God, and he really was really strongly against suicide, which I, we should be. Uh, but he said, Thou shalt not kill um, is like the reason that you should. It's you're breaking that commandment. And then he also has some other reasons in there. Uh, 533. Um, there was a rule that those who committed suicide were denied Christian burial. They couldn't be buried in a Christian cemetery. 562, all suicides started to be punished that way. 693, attempt of suicide became a church crime. And if you survived a suicide attempt, you would be excommunicated and go to jail. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty big deal. 13th century, Thomas Aquinas declared suicide an act against God and a sin for which one could not repent. Property and possessions of the deceased and their family were consequent. Cons- confiscated uh, and it has also been suggested more recently that the unpardonable sin when it talks about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit the one, spirit, the one sin you cannot be uh, forgiven for is suicide and that is absolutely completely and totally false so if you're ever worried about that uh, that is not the case can those who commit suicide be saved okay, what I don't want you to get from this is like let's all go kill ourselves so we can go to heaven uh, like seriously don't don't be dumb. That's all I can think to say. I'm not giving you permission. And, you know, this, is, this happens a lot. This happened in the, to someone I knew. His parents came and said, he committed suicide because he believed he'd go to heaven. What do you say? Uh, Matthew Warren, the guy that just committed suicide this week that I talked about at the beginning, that was the reason he said, you know, I'll, I'll go to heaven. And there's so many reasons to continue to live. There's so many things to do. But do I believe that you'll go to hell? No, I do not. And here's some reasons why. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for my sins and bore the wrath of God in my place so my sins can be forgiven. 
lived a perfect life of obedience, that by his obedience many sinners could be counted righteous, including me. The sacrifice in this righteousness become mine by faith alone when I trust Jesus, the treasure of my life. This trust is embattled until the day I die with seasons of strength and seasons of weakness, seasons of darkness and seasons of light. And if the last season is so dark that I die by my own sin, that season is not the only season that God takes into account when he looks at the evidence of my faith. Okay? So here's the summary, basically. Jesus died for your sins. Okay? You murder someone, you can still go to heaven. Murder yourself, you can still go to heaven. I don't want you to be like, God is so full of wrath, and this is the one thing that you can do. Okay? It's not true. What should you get from this? Not, let's all start going and doing this, like these cults that have done this in the past. Um, It's, God is merciful. God is trustworthy. He is faithful, and He can deal with whatever it is you're dealing with. You let Him have control. And, you know, I wish we could talk about this. Ideally, I would have taken like two hours to do this, but we're really running out of time. I really want to show a video um, before we go really quickly, and Dan has an announcement to make too. Um, So, just know, here's the thing. Talk to me. If you are dealing with this, talk to me. And be willing to talk to someone else. Okay? If it's suicide, if it's depression, it doesn't matter. The worst thing you can do is keep it to yourself because that's what Satan wants you to do. That's what everyone wants you to do. You know, in the church, particularly in certain kinds of churches, people can be like, just shut up about it. We don't want to hear about how you're sad. Let's talk about how we're happy. Do we say it exactly like that? No. But I want you to get, again, and I said this last week, this is a safe place. Come here. You can come here with your struggles, with your thirst, with your sin, with whatever it is you're dealing with. Come and, and talk to someone about it. Come talk to me. I don't, you know, get involved. Like, we are here for each other. And if we're not here for each other, then we might as all, well all just go home and not ever come here again. Because what's the point if we're not here for each other? Because Jesus has bought us from sin, from evil. God, we thank you for who you are, for your great and powerful forgiveness. And we ask that we would come together, that we would seek out those who are hurting, that we would lavish your love on them, that we would be there for them, open up to them, and that if we are struggling, if there's some struggling here tonight, that we would talk to someone. We know that you are a God that heals. You are the healer. You are the fountain of living, everlasting water. May we not go through this alone. May we realize who you are, what you have done, how you have redeemed our suffering and our disappointments, and how you make them glorious. Even when it's hard, we know that we have an anchor for our souls, this hope that we know we are not tossed back and forth because we have you and you are our foundation. Maybe we'd be willing to seek others out to help us. We pray for those that are dealing with this and we hurt with them. Pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.